0: Good morning church I must admit i haven't actually called my mum yet <laughs> i'm i'm not i'm not a, not being a very good son at the moment. I looked at ordering some flowers for her, but you know even for a small bouquet you're looking at about a hundred dollars so i-, I skipped it <laughs> whoever said thats is is a good son i've uh, <laughs> so i'm 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 learning from that one i'm i'm the I'm the branch, not the vine I've got some inadequacies there and i'll I'll, I'll make it up to my mum later on. <laughs> Um, Today, I'm going to be speaking to you about a word God's put on my heart. Um, I'd like to say since I found out I was preaching, but really this is something that I think I've walked with my entire life, uh, at least my Christian life. And it's, I would say, a simple word as well, but you could go into in depth, probably talk about it for hours, but it's this concept of unshakable faith. Now, in my walk I have been challenged and I've seen others challenged even with the basic concepts of, of faith. Like, what is this faith? Like, trying to understand that in ourselves and, you know, taking it to that next level of, un- of unshakable faith, is that unattainable or or what is this unshakable faith? Now, there's three statements, if my clicker's working, no clicker. Um, there's three statements that have come up a lot in both what I've asked myself what I've seen other Christians ask God or or bring up in in conversations with me, or maybe even um, atheists who are sort of like trying to bring me down from my faith or something like that. But there's these three really important statements, and they are, what is faith, how do I get it, and can I lose it? Am I really saved, or am I a bad Christian if I feel like I don't have much faith? Does God love me less? And this is the real important one, is, God, my life is falling apart right now. Where are you, and why is this happening? Let me start off with with saying that regardless of where you are right now, what you've done, what you think you're going through, what's going to happen in your life, that you're loved. Unconditionally, fully, by God, you are loved, without limits. Where you are right now, uh, whatever situation you're in, that love is for you. Unconditionally, as I said. The thing is, we have this God who is a gentleman God. Uh, Sam Whitaker always preached on this, and it was a revelation to me about this whole gentleman father figure, and God is not forceful. So, He's sitting there waiting for you, but you need to make that action of, of opening that door and, and making that choice to accept Jesus. And it, as I'm talking about faith in a moment, I want you to first realize that when you make that decision to accept Christ into your heart, you're saved, right? You're loved, you're, you're in the house, there's nothing more you have to do. So, as I'm stepping through it, don't get that part wrong, and if maybe you've, you've made that choice at some point to accept Christ into your heart and you've closed that door or you've never opened it to start with, I just really ask, don't ever feel ashamed about that. Don't ever be so proud that you don't open that door again because God's waiting there. He's literally right on the other side of that door for you. He's the kind of Father that, that leaves the 99 to find the one. If you haven't heard the Reckless Love Song, I, I, you know, I ask that you get around that. It is so inspirational about understanding the love that our God has for us. And that word unconditional, don't put a limit on that. It is literally unconditional. What you've done, what you think, where you've been, who you've been with, it doesn't matter. He loves you unconditionally. Now, I don't have the time or the wisdom to, to truly break these down and answer every aspect of these statements, especially that last one. But I hope that through this Word, uh, you get a bit of an understanding of it. Maybe you're going through something right now, maybe you've gone through something, or maybe it's something that's going to come up in your life later on. So, I hope this gives you a, a bit of a foundation of, of what to do in this situation, or just a better understanding of where you're at. Within saying that, let's get into the God stuff, uh, the good stuff, God's Word. So, if you can change that to Luke 8:22 to 25 Now it says, one day he and his disciples got on a boat. Let's cross the lake, he says, and and off they went. It was smooth sailing and he fell asleep. This is Jesus. Then a terrific storm came up suddenly on the lake. Water poured in and they were about to capsize. They woke Jesus, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Getting to his feet, he, he told the wind silence and the waves quietened down. And they did. The lake became smooth as glass. Then he says to his disciples, why can't you trust me? Or in the NIV, He says, where is your faith? You know, reading Scripture like this, it it really makes me, not yet. (laughs) Um, Oh yeah, that one, cool. Uh, Reading Scripture like this really makes me understand just how amazing a teacher Jesus is. All right, if you look back to your school days, some of the most memorable lessons are like the practical demonstrations that get done for you. For me, I had amazing science teachers, and, and we got to do stuff like launching rockets and uh, shooting laser beams at like the split card where you see all the photons. It's amazing stuff. I learned so much from that, and I love it. So I can just imagine Jesus waking up this morning, and He's, he's rubbing His hands. He goes, what am I going to teach these guys today? What, what, can I, what can I demonstrate? And He goes, you know what? I might teach them something about faith. And He doesn't just sort of sit them down by the campfire. He's like, hey, Simon, Peter, can you guys go get that boat? We're going we're gonna to go on a little trip. And He says, "'Let's cross the lake.' And off they went. It was smooth sailing, and He fell asleep. As excellent followers of Jesus, the disciples did as they were told." Now, we're not given any context in this situation of if they're actually going somewhere, or maybe it's just a spur-of-the-moment thing. Jesus is like, "'Hey, in the boat, guys.'" Um, So, they possibly had a destination, but otherwise, it's just something random, which is just like us. God can give us a word it might have a, a set destination. We can see where God is taking us with this, or it could be completely unknown. God, you know, what does this mean? I don't really see the, the end for this. But they followed what He said. And I think what also made it very easy in the beginning for these disciples was, it was a nice day. You know, it, the, I'm sure the waters were flat, calm. There's no, no storms building up. They're, they're like, all right, easy, smooth sailing. God's given me a word. I can't see any problems with that. I wonder if the disciples would have protested or at least debated Jesus a bit if the storm was already starting to build. You know, hey, God, you know, there's some, there's some dark clouds coming up there. You know, this boat, it's not too big, right? Then it says, a terrific storm came up suddenly. Water poured in and they were about to capsize. I can speak from personal experience, and, and I'm sure a lot of, other of you, uh, lot of the rest of you can relate to that, is sometimes life throws us a curveball all of a sudden. You know, it's not a sudden build-up, it's just, uh, sorry, it's not a slow build-up, it's just that sudden impact, life-changing. These guys, it's not like someone had just stubbed their toe on the boat. No, their lives were in danger. They're in the middle of a storm on what I assume is not a huge boat, it's, it's only a lake they're traveling on. So, how did they react in this? It, I think it's quite, quite natural. So, they say they woke Jesus yelling out, "'Master, Master, we're going to drown.'" And again, that's that's how I'd react, and I'm sure that's how some of us would react. You know, the boat's taking on water, I, of course I'm freaking out. If my life's in danger, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be chilled or anything like that. But then they, it, you know, and it's not like they ignored Jesus either. I, possibly there was a short amount of time where they were trying to get the water out the boat, you know, they were doing it in their own effort, realizing that the problem was too big for them, but eventually they did, they, they went and got Jesus. It wasn't a, a request for help, more of a hey, mate, we're drowning, um, but they still, they turn to Jesus. So, uh, for me, looking at this on the outside, without any context, I think, well, that's that's normal, that's, you know, that's a good life application. But then, Jesus turns around and He says this, He, he goes, why can't you trust Me? Well, they go, hang on, I thought the disciples did, you know, they came to you. Now, Jesus' reaction to this and and sorry, how the disciples reacted, and, and Jesus' response to this is something I really want to explore and break down because it's not as clear cut as that. And for that, we need to jump forward to John sixteen thirty. And a little bit of context to that first, it's uh, Jesus been has been speaking a lot in parables and um, sort of giving these demonstrations, like what Annie just read out John uh, fifteen about the vine and and the branches and that. And he can sort of see the disciples there. They're looking a bit, bit lost. You know, Jesus has spoken about, you know, I'm going away, but then I'll be back, and then I'm gone again, and and all this stuff. So he can see the disciples are starting to, they're, they're fading out. They're not following too well. So then he lays it out a lot clearer for them. And I think uh, you'll see the reaction that they have. But I think that happens a lot to us as well. Maybe we're given a word we don't understand. Maybe we're in a situation we don't understand. And And we cry out to God, God, you know, if you could just appear in front of me and give me that word or, you know, give me some holy fireballs from heaven to to smite my enemies or part the waters for me then. Then I'll have the faith. Then I'll have this unshakable faith. Jesus knows differently. but He says, the disciples said, finally, you're giving it to us straight. In plain talk, no more figures of speech. Now we know that you know everything and it all comes together in you. You won't have to put up with our questions anymore. We're convinced you came from God. I I can just imagine Jesus going, (laughs) I know what's going to happen. It's all right, guys. But Jesus answered them, do you finally believe? In fact, you are about to make a run for it, saving your own skins and abandoning me. But I'm not abandoned. There's some faith. The Father is with me. I've told you this. I've told you all this. And this is the important part. This is what I want you to take away from today, is that so trusting in me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I have conquered the world. All right, now we're getting into the meat. The meat of this message is the good stuff. So, that trusting in me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. But then Jesus makes it a point to add on that extra bit there. It says, in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. Like, what? Really? That's, you know, He's basically telling us that, yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. You know, this world in itself is hard to walk through, let alone the Christian life. Like, Jesus tells us to do things that are like 180 to what the rest of the world expects from us. So, this, this walk with Christ, it's not easy. It's going to be hard but there's a promise in that. You know, bad things happen. And remember, God has given us free will, so we can choose to follow what He says or do what we want to do. So, when bad things happen, it's probably because of what we've chosen to do. Or, unfortunately, it could be because of the choices others have made for us. And sometimes bad things just happen. There's no spiritual or anything reason for it. It's just we live in a world of sin where things just happen. You know, a, a what did I say, in you, if an asteroid hits your house, right, that's an accident. It's not like someone punishing you for not buttering your toast properly or anything like that. Bad stuff happens. Life-changing, threatening, confusing things happen. And I don't have the wisdom, I wish I did, to answer the question of why does why do bad things happen to good people? I don't. If someone knows the answer for that, please hit me up after this. But all I know is God or Jesus has made it a point to say that it will happen. You know, in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. Again, there is a promise in that though. He says, I've told you this, so that trusting in me, you will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace. This is what I want you to have, church. I want you to have this deeply at peace. And there's no ifs or buts about it. It says, you will be unshakable, you will be assured. You will be deeply at peace. As, as a Christian, when you make that choice to follow God, when you say, Jesus, I welcome you into my heart, this comes with it. You don't, you don't sort of just pick, in pieces, you know, pick the piece of the pie you want to eat. You get the whole thing. Do you really understand this, church? Because I know most of us, if not all of us, have been in situations where we don't feel at peace, where we have fear doesn't have to be that way if we go back to the boat in uh, the next slide should have it you know the water's pouring in the boat is about to capsize they're in trouble when Jesus is asleep but hopefully now you can we can unpack this with a slightly different um, idea or you know we've got some context as to why Jesus may have asked this question at the end but the thing is in this situation the storm is not the problem There's always going to be a storm. Jesus has basically guaranteed it. There's always going to be a storm. So, in this situation where the first time I read it, maybe the first time you read it, you might have thought that the storm is the problem. But it's not. It's the way the disciples reacted in this situation. And again, I point out, it doesn't matter how they reacted in this situation, possibly poorly, God loves them all the same. There's, There's no less love there. There's no less inclusion. There's no, you did this wrong. The thing is that they, they're missing something. That's right in front of them, a gift God has for each and every one of us. That's so close, we just need to take it. And I think this is, this is why, you know, Jesus is probably asleep, because He knows that. You know, He's sitting there, He's chilled out. It could be as simple as that, you know, the creator of the universe can sleep soundly in whatever situation. Um, it could be that, you know, as Paul Scandalon preached so awesomely the other night about how big our faith is and what we put limitations on, on God. You know, maybe he wanted to see, hey, will these guys ask me to stop the storm? Is their faith that big, so bold that they could request that from me? So he's sitting there chilling, going, let's, let's see what these guys do. It could just be that, you know, God knows the outcome of the situation, so he's, he's chilling. Then he tells the wind, Silence. And this part's awesome. This is the practical demonstration part, right? If you ever thought your problem was so big that God couldn't, you know, overcome it, He stops a storm with a word. The physical, you know, boats tipping over, waves are going everywhere, and it's not like a boom, storm, stop. He just sort of gets up and he just silence. You know, I'm trying to sleep here, quieting down waves, and they did. You know, the, the disciples put limits on on Jesus in that moment. They didn't see just how big He was, but again, we can look back in that situation and say, well, you know, Jesus had never done anything that amazing before. You know, they're right to not expect that to happen. But see, that's a problem that we can put on our faith as well, where if we haven't seen, and this is what Paul Scanlon was preaching on, you know, if we haven't seen God do something amazing, maybe we don't think He can do it. Or maybe if he's doing it in another area, then he can't do it here. But that's, that's a box that we put on God. Again, he's not going to love you any less for it. It's just that he's got this amazing gift for you right there. And he wants you to take it. And that's where this, why can't you trust me, comes into it. You know, I, I know Jesus. And I don't think that he was saying this out of, out of anger. It wasn't, not even out of frustration, it was more of a, guys, why can't you trust me? There's so much more for you to grab. There's, there's this amazing world of peace that you could have in this situation. He does calm the storm, so the storm goes away. But that's not the issue that I want to address today. The issue is, in the storm, how do you react? What goes on? What can you draw on? And there's an absolute promise there that you will be at peace if you trust in Him. The storm is going to be there. I wish I could say, you know, follow Christ and smooth sailing. You're never going to see anything hard in your life, but it's going to happen. Will it be fixed or solved, whatever that dilemma is? I don't know either. But in that time, you have something that you can draw on, that God's just sitting there. He's got His arms raised out. He goes, why can't you trust me? You know, we live in a society today where we don't need God. You know, the Western world is as simple as that. We've, we've made so many replacements for God, right? If we get sick, we, we go to the doctor. If we need a loan from the bank, uh, sorry, if we need money, we go to the bank. And again, disclaimer, I'm not saying don't see a doctor, please see a doctor if you're sick, but the point is, where is the room for faith? You know, what do you turn to first when, when you get a flu? Where, where do you turn to first if, if someone's hurt themselves? Where do you turn to first if you're struggling with something? It's all about your firsts. As Christians, we need to build this culture of trusting in God. Put Him first. Tithes is is an excellent um, sort of practical demonstration we we get given in the Bible about giving your first to God. But it goes so much more than that. Give everything. All of your firsts, give to God. You know, faith, trust, if you haven't picked it up already, same thing. Your faith in God is your trust in God. You know, I was a Christian for a long time as a youth, and I fell away from God. And I look back and I go, what was I missing? What was it that I didn't get that caused me to stumble away from from this faith? You know, it was fun. I had some good friends in church. It was, uh, oh, the music, oh, it was a older church. The music wasn't amazing. Worship, Worship wasn't fantastic, but you know, I, I had it all. My, my my parents, they brought me to church every Sunday. I had I had that sort of culture around me of it, but I fell away. So what was it that I didn't understand? Was I am I not a good person? Does God not love me because of that? If we go into Luke six, forty six to forty nine, Jesus says, Why are you so polite with me? Always saying yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a thing I tell you. These words I speak, they are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. No, they are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and, and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last, but if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you were like a dumb carpenter who built a house but skipped the foundation. When the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. What I get from that is this walk with faith, it requires a bit of work, right? He says, the carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation. Awesome visual, but How do I apply that? What does that look like to me as a Christian? You know, I don't want to have to put effort in and dig in a big hole and laying—I don't even know the first thing about laying a house on bedrock. But faith requires this word that is hard to say in English because it has an alternative meaning. meaning, But discipline, and it's—it's not the sort of discipline of no, you're wrong. It's the discipline that maybe a swimmer has. To train, or a golfer has, or a, you know, you think of an athlete—the discipline they have to keep training, even when the weather's cold and they don't want to be outside—but they they have that conviction to keep doing it. By the way, awesome message by Jansen last week. If you if you missed that, get onto the podcast. That's just an amazing, practical, inspiring message on how to really set your life up so your convictions, your alignment, is with God. So please get around that. My message is sort of hitting it from a different angle about this unshakable faith thing but really that they're, they're so close in in what they're trying to say now this this foundation this bedrock you've heard it a thousand times before you, you know exactly what, what i'm going to say read your bible get to know it get to know who jesus is get to know who he says you are pray don't don't stop that don't look like that you've, you've got direct contact with god Jesus is up there right now. He goes, hey, mate, that, that person down there, is a eight. He, he can talk right to you, right? You have that permission to talk directly to God. Take your problems. Give all your firsts to Him. Trust in Him. Listen to, to the right music. Listen to worship music when you're at work. Don't fill your life with with all the stuff the world's saying about you. You know, I mean, there's some, there's some cool secular music out there. That's not too depressing. But the, most of it's like saying some pretty bad stuff about who we are and, and what our goals in life should be. I won't repeat them because they're terrible. Who are your friends? I'm not saying don't hang around with, with you know, worldly people because we need to be a light to them. But what's your main friendship circle? What, what, are you, you know, what, what food are you getting when you're outside of the church? What, what are people saying about you? Where are your friends taking you? Now, the thing is this, is, this is a catch-22 because I don't want to go down the rules of religion. This is not about religion. This is not about you saying, me saying, this is what you have to do, or you're not a good Christian. No. This comes from building a relationship with Christ. So, when you understand that, when you step into it, when you, when you make that first step of learning who Jesus is, you sort of want to go, hey, this is, this is cool. I want to know more about this. I want to know more about what Jesus is and, and what He says about me. So with that, with that passion, that's where you start reading the word, and the the discipline comes into that because you want to do it, just like a swimmer wants to win underwater, golfer wants to come first. You want to know more of God, so you know when you wake up or before you go to bed, you read your Bible. It's freezing cold on a Sunday morning, and maybe you had a big night on Saturday, but you come to church because that's where I want to be. I want to learn more about God. I want to be a part of the community you know, I'm feeling angry and frustrated and I don't want, you know, I'm blaming God for this situation. But no, you step out of that limitation of feelings and you go, God, well, I actually know who you are. This this faith thing, this trust thing I have in you is not based on feelings, it's based on facts that I've read in the Bible. And I go, even though I'm frustrated and angry, I can still turn to you and pray. Again, don't limit your faith to feelings. We had this excellent um, talk uh, on the youth trip and I heard it from a few kids talking at the conference as well, that they think their worship is limited to feelings. No. We worship because we love our God and He deserves it. Sometimes He downloads a ton of stuff to us in worship and we can break down in so many emotions, but don't let, you know, stepping into this building with with anger on your heart or frustrations or, or fear or anything like that, don't let it limit your worship to God. Put that away. You know, when you're saved, when you say, Jesus, I welcome you into my heart. I said this before, but that's it. You're saved. You don't have to do anything else. You don't, you don't have to lay this bedrock, but it, it says it there in God's Word that you should do that, right? So, again, I really want to stress that point. When you make that choice and you welcome God into your heart and He's right there waiting for you to do it, if you haven't done it yet, or if you've closed that door, just say, hey, mate, sorry, God, you, you can come back in. Right. I apologize for that, right? He's right there. But know that with that, there is so much more you can have. Faith goes beyond feeling. It's about knowing what is. If you can go to the next slide for me. Here's our three questions again. Well, statements, sorry. What is faith? Simple, trust. How do I get it? What are you wanting to trust? You're wanting to trust in God, right? Right? Read the Bible. Where do you learn about God? This is how you build your trust, your faith. And can I lose it? Yes. I I won't address the question of can you not believe in God again, but certainly you can lose your faith. You can lose your trust in God because you start surrounding yourself with the wrong stuff. When you're not doing a daily walk in this, this Christ thing, this Christian living, it is easy to lose it. I've lost it. I know other people who have lost it. And am I really saved or am I a bad Christian if I feel like I don't have much faith? Well, this one I can answer. It's no, God loves you regardless. You have that. That's something, that's a pillar you can hold on to forever. That's never going away. Your life may crumble and fall to pieces, but God, Jesus, will always be there. That's a promise no one can take away from you. And when you put your trust in that, in something that's unshakable, then that rubs off on you too. God, my life is falling apart right now. Where are you and why is this happening? Again, I can't answer why bad things happen in our lives. All I know is Jesus says that it's going to come up. Storms are going to happen. Where are you? He's right behind that door that you might have closed. And if you haven't, He's right there with you, regardless of that situation. Why is this happening? It could be a whole number of reasons it could be as simple as you've made a bad choice and now you've got to deal with it a choice someone else has made for you could just be the fact it's just happening if anyone's got a full answer to that please come up to me after because i struggle with this one too but what i know and what i hold on to in these situations is is this idea of of unshakable faith but again maybe we've, we've explained faith but what is this unshakable faith how do i get that Well, I don't think the answer is as simple as you getting that. I think it's something that you always strive towards. It's a daily walk in Christ. It's every morning you wake up and you give your first to Jesus. It's every morning you wake up and you read the Word, you learn more about Him. The core to this is is two things. It's one, understanding who Christ is, truly knowing who our God is. The promises that He says over us. The, the things He has to offer for us. These fruits like this peace. This guaranteed peace no matter what situation you're in. And the second thing is know who you are in Christ. That's so cool. This is where we get shaken when people say things we are not. They say we're a loser, we're lost, we're gone, we're rubbish. That's where we start to get shaken. It gets personal. We don't know who we are. We struggle with that build your foundation on knowing who God says you are. The love He has for you. The promises He has for you. The awesome person that you are in Christ. As Annie said, we are the vines. We're not meant to be perfect. We all have failings. We're people. But that doesn't gauge how much God loves us. Just like in the storm where where the disciples were freaking out, where they could have had peace. God doesn't love them any less. He doesn't think of them any less. He loves them just the same. It's just, there was something they could have had. Now this unshakable peace, I don't know what that can look like for you, but I want to end with Psalms 23 because it paints an amazing picture by the psalmist as to to him what what this peace feels like. And after this, after I've read it, we're going to go back into a song and I just want you to, to spend some time reflecting with God and just praying and asking Him, Lord, what is peace for me? What is this? What, what am I missing out on? I, I know now there's this thing right in front of me. Lord, help me step into that and grab that and take a hold of it. Make that a pillar of your life. So it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. That, that's all you need to hear. That, that, that's, that's it. That's the peace. You have all that you need in God. He lets me rest in green meadows, He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength, and He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, never be afraid. For you are close behind me. Your rod, your staff, protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you, Church. I stand here.